Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Since I was 14 years old, I always wore cowboy boots. Maybe because my little boy role models were always the men in the black hats. Richard Boone in Half Gun Will Travel, Robert Vaughn in The Magnificent Seven, silent killers. Men with pasts, men from somewhere else who found themselves in the great American West. A place where reinvention, a new life, was always possible as long as you were willing to kill for it. I took a walk through this beautiful world Felt the cool rain on my shoulder Found something good in this beautiful world I felt the rain getting colder The Western myth has pretty much captured the American imagination. None of us can escape it. For ages, we identified ourselves with the image of the lone cowboy, the perception of frontier values, self-sufficiency, rugged individualism, the freedom of wide open spaces. Places in America still manage to embody that mythic landscape of the imagination, like the state of New Mexico. What does freedom mean? It's different things to everybody, it seems, but something about this place manages to catch the overlap between a whole hell of a lot of very different cultures. Old Route 66 runs through New Mexico like a collapsed vein, right through Santa Fe and Albuquerque. It must have seemed like magic once. Families loaded in a massive chrome and steel chariots with powerful V8 engines and took off down that blacktop highway. They slept in whimsical motor lodges and bungalows, swam in kidney-shaped pools. Then it all went redundant. Route 66 was decommissioned, chopped up, largely forgotten except by desperate and lazy travel show hosts. Does anyone else on CNN do this, like drive around, like 
10.15 at night looking for tacos? Yeah, probably. I'll say this. The strip takes on a much more interesting look at night. You can imagine Dennis Hopper huffing nitrous and dismembering somebody over an unrolled tarp in any one of those sinister-looking motel rooms. Cool. Well, hopefully the tacos first, because after you do the meth, you really aren't going to want to eat. In ancient times, early drivers would hang the testicles of their enemies on their rearview mirrors. Best case scenario around here, in my humble opinion, taco truck, of which there are quite a few. Parking lot, the smell of mystery parts on a griddle, yes. Could I have uh, one asada, one pastor, and one lengua, please? Knowing my love of all things Mexican, you might expect me to be eating tacos for the next hour. Gotta adopt the wide stance. Damn you, taco spillage. Come for the vistas, stay for the tacos. per magazine of steel-jacketed destruction as fast as your finger can pull the trigger. You might well ask yourself, why the hell would anybody need a weapon like this? Oh, there we go. The AR-15 is one of the weapons most reviled by gun opponents. It's also America's favorite rifle. Never thought I'd say that a guy from New York's a natural when it comes to shooting an AR-15 in New Mexico, but I'm impressed. As a nation, we love them. There are about four million in circulation. Those are the facts. Basically, AR-15 is a semi-automatic civilian version of an M16. And the funny thing is, is that in relation, this gun is almost identical to this gun, but this is the one that's evil. Shoots the same caliber, same magazine capacity, just looks a little different. I'm an East Coast guy, I'm a, I'm, I'm a New Yorker, but culturally, I come from a place where glimpse a weapon on somebody at a bar in the street, it is reason for panic. Here, and in much of America, in between New York and LA, you walk into a bar and you see somebody with a weapon, it's like, you know, that's my neighbor, you know, maybe he's going hunting, maybe he's, who, who knows? Most people you know own guns? Nah, everybody I know. Everybody. Pretty much everybody. everybody. I had a rifle before I had a baseball bat. Meet Jesse, Bill, Bo, and Daniel. pretty much who we are talking about when we see the latest stats on gun purchases in America and shake our heads uncomprehendingly. That cultural divide, much more than policy, is what's kept the issue of gun control so polarized and so, frankly, hopeless. He had a gun before he had a baseball bat. I'm in the same situation. I was shooting a BB gun when I was five years old and I knew at that time it wasn't a toy it was a weapon and I was very well educated by my father on the responsible use of that piece of equipment and that's what's critical to me I sh shoot all the time and I'm always trying to shoot better than I did last week 
It's relaxing. You're out with friends. It's fun. There's a dark little genie in all of us, I think, that wants to pick up a gun, point it at something, and blast away. This is a new Springfield Arm 9mm with yep. a 19-round clip. You know the reasons I like guns. I don't own a gun, but I like holding them. I like shooting them. The Glock 22, it's chambered in a 40 caliber. There is something compelling, an eerie rush, an unholy sense of empowerment feeling the warm glow of these heavy, iconic shapes in your hands. Get off my lawn, you kids. That's a 357 Magnum, it's an eight-shot revolver. Bigger kick on this guy, yeah? A little bit. You just can't help silently mouthing, make my day, or feeling lucky, punk. this all day. <laughs> Whatever your opinion on the subject, fact is, gun culture runs deep in this country. This one I grew up with, yeah, this was, I shot my very first turkey with this gun at uh, 12 years old, actually. That's a 22 um, rimfire cartridge, and that, that is probably the type of firearm that most kids start off with. These guys, I'm guessing, are not people I should be worried about. They are nice and exceedingly patient with the city boy who wants to play with their guns. Uh, that there's a 338 Winchester Magnum. That's a, a big cartridge, heavy bullet, kind of for, for a very large game like elk. There's a target up on that hillside. Can you see it? Now watch Mr. New York City Liberal shoot that target out there from 244 windswept yards. Oh, wow. Uh, now, am I... Accounting for windage, dropping, and wind distant, what? Yeah, you want to aim 13 millimeters to the left, 4 millimeters high, and you'll hit dead center. <laughs> <laughs> left? No, hold right on. I'm just giving you... hold right on? I was just making, make, making a joke. Man, taking advantage of the city boy. And that wind's got to be 20 miles an hour. Yeah, holding a rifle in this wind without a brace, it's tough. All eyes are on you, no pressure. Pretty close, huh? Pretty close. Yeah, he may have been a hair left. Just uh, a little high that time, I think. Little right. Shooting real good, though, Tony. I mean, you're not missing it by much. If you were elk hunting, you'd be hitting him. Exhale, pull and squeeze. The, big, the biggest thing is just let it surprise you. As you're pulling the trigger, squeeze it slow, and every time it goes off, it should surprise you. That way you don't flinch. That looked right on. That looked right on to me. I gotta tell you, I'm proud of myself. I was like, I was somewhere in the neighborhood. He's, uh, he's a natural. Do you think that like people who just don't like the idea of guns, if they had a day out here shooting targets, yeah, I suspect a fair number of them would at least temper their views somewhat? A thousand percent, absolutely. And you definitely get a respect for the power of it, for sure. Generally speaking, me and these guys, I think should feel free to buy all the guns we want. It's the rest of you I'm not so sure about. I know how to shoot beer cans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a 
the zombie apocalypse comes, I'll be ready. <laughs> as long as they're holding beers. <laughs>When I was a kid, uh, I played Cowboys and Indians. The cowboy myth had such a grip on American self-identity. I remember playing Cowboys and Indians. It was just part of the culture. You looked up to John Wayne, you know, Steve McQueen. My kid, 12 years old, wouldn't even think about Cowboys. This is David Manzanares. His family has lived here for generations, tracing their roots all the way back to the Spanish conquistador. You know, those cliff walls out there, Tony, are like 160 million years old. And the ones on the bottom, about 220. They're all the way back to the, to the Triassic area. And this is Ghost Ranch, next door to David's spread. This is the area where Georgia O'Keeffe spent the last and most productive decades of her life. Now you've walked into her painting. But this is what she called my country. You know, it wasn't until I was a my early 20s that I even knew who George O'Keefe was. Really? Grew up with her being like a grandmother. It took me going out to L.A. and uh, going into a gallery out there. I saw these paintings and like an idiot. I said, why do you got pictures of my house? <laughs> and she said, please, take a step back. Uh, that's uh, George O'Keefe's. It's just going to get prettier. It's just going to get prettier. One of O'Keeffe's biographers infamously described this landscape which had so captivated the artist as garish, vulgar, and in poor taste, which if you look around is pretty hard to comprehend. This is such the other side of the universe for somebody who lives like I do. People who live in cities for whom a backyard this big is inconceivable. The idea that 
There's a certain type of personality who's drawn towards open spaces like this. You know, this country, it either embraces you or within a year it spits you out. We reach the end of our trail at a place called Valley of Thieves, once said to be a haven for infamous cattle rustlers. Of course. They call it the rabbit. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. Jesus, I'm in my 50s. Everything's it's still with the jokes. I'm going to find a distinguished segue into adulthood one of these days. Three generations of Manzanares are here with me this evening. Herman, David, and Max. We'll do our best to put together a little meal. Anybody want some coffee? Yeah, I'll take some of that. Cream, anybody? Nah, who am I kidding? I'm a city boy. I need a cream. Need some cream? Yeah. Trying to get all Jack Palance here. Come on. Who am I kidding? We're also joined by Dan Flores, respected authority, professor of history, author of the book Horizontal Yellow, Nature and History in the Near Southwest. How Spanish is New Mexico still? I mean, how, how powerful are the echoes from Spain? Spain was in control of New Mexico for far longer than Mexico was. Well, I think a lot of these New Mexican families are 10 generation and 11 generation. When they look back on themselves, they think of themselves as Spanish. Those traditions, they've continued to thrive in these little pockets. We're cut off from Spain. So I once worked with some people from Spain and they kept cutting up, snickering at me. What they told me was, okay, you can knock it off with the Don Quixote uh, phraseology. It's the equivalent of me today talking, say, top of the morning to you, sir. Really? And they were like, stop making fun of us. And I said, you know what? I'm not making fun of you. That's the way we speak. And when we go see grandpa, that's all he knows is 500 year ago Spanish. Maybe if we're lucky enough, we'll have uh, grandpa pay, play his, uh, Harmonica the way he used to do on the cattle drives. But I have a plan here on this meat. All right. The meat is yours. All right, good. Just call me Cookie. Some cubed local beef, glowing hot coals, cast iron pan. What are those, the pureed green chilies here? Yes. Beautiful. Yeah, I'm going to throw those chilies in a little bit oh. and stew it for a few minutes and we'll be good. I just need a few splashes of like an open beer even. Beautiful thing. Check it off the Chuck Wagon greatest hits. We got some beans, some potatoes, some cornbread. We do our best. This is just about ready. Uh, let's eat. Dig in. Well, we, we done good, gentlemen. No kidding. Thank you, Tony. This is excellent. I'm wondering, uh, you guys have been here for so long, your family. Uh, could you live anywhere else? Not me. No, not me. This is home. The roots, it always, I always get called back here. You know, I visited Paris and lived in L.A. for a while and, you know. Paris is pretty great. <laughs> It's pretty great. It's pretty great, but it's not here. Dad, I'm curious to know why, why you chose here, why you came here initially. Open space. Because I'd grown up in a circumstance where you couldn't see 50 feet 
I mean, the forest was so dense. I used to climb up into the top of a tree on the highest hill just to be able to see over the forest. So there was something about the idea of being able to see the landscape that really compelled me. So The big empty makes a real deep, deep sense to a certain type of person. De colores, de colores se visten los campos de la primavera. De colores, de colores son los pajaritos que vienen de afuera. De colores, de colores es el arcoíris. Since before 1598, when Santa Fe was established as a province of New Spain, grizzled frontiersmen and hardy pioneers have come to this unforgiving landscape to eke out a difficult existence. Welcome to Santa Fe Today, where we can all live the Western dream and even buy a little piece of it to take home. You gotta love it. We pretty much eradicate the Native American culture, and now in newer, more politically correct times, we decide we love Indians and all things Native American. And we're kind of, but not really sorry. And how much is that bric-a-brac? But that's not all. The New West is inclusive. Welcome to Santa Fe. You got your whole spectrum of New Age crystal types seeking spiritual purity and intensity in the harsh yet beautiful landscape. It's the last place in the U.S. you can wear buckskin and fringe without irony, while holding a Buddhist blanket. There is, buried deep inside this ordinary-looking five-and-dime, something truly authentic. Hi, uh, Frito pie and a soda, please. This is the Frito pie as American as apple pie or the Manhattan Project, and nearly as deadly. Chili and day-glow yellow cheese-like substance dropped like a deuce, another roller in the night, right into a bag of Fritos. It feels like you're holding a warm crap in a bag. Close your eyes and I put this in your hand. You would be very worried with colostomy pie. I'm opposed to everything this dish stands for, and yet, 
It is also delicious. Neither the Frito nor the Frito pie are indigenous to New Mexico. They are actually Texan. New Mexico, you have many wonderful things. I think, let Texas have this one. Only six minutes I've managed to reach a depth of self-loathing. It usually takes a night of drinking to achieve. The buying the Frito pie experience would like a binge tequila drinking and a strip club. <laughs> a warm, spreading glow fills my belly as I set out once more in my mighty Ford Galaxy. Yet I am also depressed. Frito pie. I smell metaphor. Speaking of explosive diarrhea. Did you know that the first ever atomic bomb was exploded in 1945 in the desert of New Mexico? Sushi bars, galleries, recce massage studios. Crystals? We got them. I think I need to adjust my beds or something because I just see dark portents at all of this. <laughs> well, well, there are a Maybe lot I of dark portents. <laughs> all I've had today is Frito this, Pie. This food will lighten you up, I all guarantee right, you. Right. Horseman's Haven Cafe sits next to a gas station and is about as far away from the plaza as you can get without leaving the Santa Fe city limits. It has a special feel of chilies grown specifically for this restaurant and nowhere else. I meet back up with Dan Flores for a little historical perspective over some of Santa Fe's most beloved New Mexican fare. I've known people who have journeyed three and 400 miles to come and eat at Horseman's Haven. Enchilada with carne adobada, cubed pork in red New Mexican chili sauce with beans and rice. Gotta have that, some pozole, a stew made from soaked hominy and pork, and sopapilla, a fried bread like a spoon bread or a johnny cake. Did the early Spaniards, early cattle, railroad men, and the, you know, the, the people on the way to making this America, were they romantic about this, this part of the world? They thought of it as a hard place. Um, for one thing, it was exceedingly remote. When you were here, this seemed like one of the farthest reaches of the globe. I mean, initially, Americans began coming here because they perceived that Santa Fe was so remote from the rest of the Spanish Empire that it was possible for the United States to pluck it. I don't think anybody becomes romantic about it probably until the Taos painters arrive. Starting a long-running tradition of artistic pilgrimages to catch the spiritual groove. Every kind of utopian dreamer, eccentric, new ager, they all came here in search of whatever. Mmm, chilies. Chili. All right, thank you very much. Level three. That's level three? Yes, sir. All right. We will be careful, indeed. New Mexican chilies come in two varieties, red or green. That's the, by the way, the state question in New Mexico. Red or green. Red or green. Ordinarily, I like green. It's like Yankees or Mets. You gotta pick one. This green, however, is not ordinary green. My face is burning off. <laughs> this, this ain't normal. Oh, God. This hurts. I'm gonna join you. Fate lies right here. DEFCON 1, 2, 3. It's a slow roll, too. 
First you think it's gonna be okay. Then it's not. There's nothing to do but wait it out. <laughs> I, I believe they use these same peppers in uh, pepper spray. Repelling grizzly bears, if that tells you anything. Yeah. A shot glass of that would put you in the hospital. No kidding. Everybody in the restaurant seems so calm. Maybe they're not eating this. <laughs> they're all just trying to muffle their screams. I'm Ina Garten. Welcome to Be My Guest, the podcast. One of the best gifts you can give friends is spending time together. But what's even better than that? Cooking with them. On Be My Guest, the podcast, new friends and old stop by my barn for some conversation and great cooking. We talk about food, life, and everything in between. Listen to Be My Guest, the podcast with me, Ina Garten, and join us wherever you get your podcasts. History, they say, belongs to the victors. And here, where the myth of the American West took root, where so much romantic lore began, history was being rewritten almost as soon as it happened. This was never the big empty. As Dan Flores writes, the idea of a wilderness is itself a cultural construct. As early as 1539, when Marcos de Niza, a Franciscan friar, reported sighting from a distance what he called the Seven Cities of Cibola, these were interpreted as tantalizing outposts of wealth, possible cities of gold. Coronado, the famous Spanish conquistador, quickly dispatched an expedition, and there were indeed cities. This is Zia. Awesome. Well, thank you for having us. The home of community leader Ivan Pino in Zia Pueblo. I'm here to join him and his nephew Robert and family in a traditional hunt. So we'll be carrying our shotguns. We'll be carrying our rabbit stick. We don't do this anymore. You know, it's, it's harder. Yeah, <laughs> it's always good to get a prayer going so that the animals can be willing to take their life. The Pueblo, who lived here continuously since around 1250 AD, had long before the Spanish or anyone else arrived, a highly organized society. They built multi-level adobe apartment blocks. They farmed the land, irrigated crops using intricate water diversion systems. All this in what sure as hell looked like a harsh and unforgiving land. This is good uh, weather though for hunting because it's nice yeah. breeze, overcast. Oh, the breeze is beautiful. Not too hot. Pueblo long ago learned to adapt to hard times, dry seasons, war, incursion. There were years where there was nothing, and they had to deal. Oh, come on, we found a pack rat. Well, first pack rat. In preparation for the summer solstice ceremony, game like rabbits and pack rats are collected for the medicine man as a payment for his services. How you notice is that there's some droppings 
Fresh droppings. We see the droppings, we know there's one around. And this time of the day, they're gonna be inside their homes. There's too many predators around. It's not easy. Once you find a nest, you gotta dig after the little burrowing bastards. You hack. <laughs> you dig. You dig some more. It's a lot of work for a small. I was just thinking that, yeah. That's what our ancestors had to do sometimes, you know, when times got hard. Right now, there's this drought going on, and we didn't have the grocery stores. Right. Then hopefully, you flush one cleanly. Awesome, awesome, awesome. You get it? Got it right here. Right. And give them a good whack on the head. The ratio of work to protein is not in the hunter's favor. It's whiskers. And a little bit of his tail and plant it back in here. To ensure regeneration of this once vital source of food, tradition and ritual requires returning a part of the animal back to the nest. I will never go hungry. Going for pack rats is really uh, an homage and an acknowledgement of an important earlier time when that was all there was. A 25-year great drought. Yeah. As a city boy, I am greatly relieved these little critters are for the medicine man and that we won't actually be eating any of them. Instead, Linda, Ivan's wife, is preparing a pretty traditional menu. Nothing is wasted when a big game is brought home. You know, we dry up and dehydrate the bone. Deer bone stew, red chili stew cooked with dried elk and potatoes, pinto beans with chicos, that's roasted dried corn, and tortillas. And of course, more chiles. We call these, this dish push around chili because gather and push around. Push around, do you see the one you want? Yeah. yeah. The chilies in the state are magical. They're zia chilies, not hatch chilies. Yeah. Ah. And the seeds have been passed down from generation to generation oh, and stay within the families. What percentage of young people leave and don't come back? Not too many people will leave. Really? No. There are people who leave, but eventually there's this yearning inside you that you want to go home, you want to learn your culture, uh, you want to you know, be a part of everything. It would be an understatement to say that the first Europeans who came into contact with Indians, so the effect was destructive to the culture. And given that history, how American do you feel? This, is, this village is, is unique in that we can easily just you know, ignore everything that happens out there and just keep to ourselves here. And, and we do that sometimes. We close the road and we take care of our own business here. But it really varies by individual and maybe even by generation. We have a veteran, a veteran, a veteran that all served in our armed forces. Big, big tradition of uh, serving in the military. Yes. Uh, yeah. We continue to be out, outdoorsmen, and we are survivors. I've dealt with the elements of the dust, the rain, the hail, but it made a better, better person out of me. We are who we are. We're still going to be here.
in the dark, the night sky, uncontaminated by the light of any nearby cities, you can see things. And of course, you've got a rich tradition of actual, real-life, spooky science fiction stuff. The Manhattan Project in Los Alamos, nuclear missile silos hidden deep beneath the desert floor, it's out there. So, where are we? Ground zero of where Everything seemed to have started. Submitted for your approval. Norio and his friend James, two men associated with the New Mexico UFO and Paranormal Forum. This is where uh, America's rocketry actually started. At the end of World War II, classified units of the CIA and Army intelligence were busy sandbagging and sneaking away from probable prosecution cadres of the world's best rocket scientists. Did I mention they were Nazis? Oh, yeah. Many of them were sent around here. Other very mysterious things even took place, allegedly, in 1947. 1947, Roswell incident. That's right. That's uh, still a mystery. Some say, you notice how they always say that in those dubious, cheaply reenacted doc shows? Some say it was the remains of an alien spacecraft. Anywho, back then, they were working on some pretty cool stuff. For instance, a Mylar-like weather balloon designed to carry high-resolution cameras across the Soviet Union. When they got way up in the atmosphere, they'd pancake out like a flying saucer. Might that explain the excessive zeal and mysterious behaviors? I mean, if one of these things crashed in the desert, you can well understand that a whole bunch of sinister-looking bodies would show up and start telling people never speak of this incident. And You know, it's hard to say, but uh, any military could create a cover story for anything. Any possibility of, like, cyborgs or aliens? Well, Good question. I, you know, I've heard that there is, and then I've heard there isn't. We're taking you to a place, an undisclosed location, right. what's known as Albuquerque's own Area 51. There will be no probing involved, you know, because every time there's, like, alien stuff, there's always probing, always with the probing. Well, I don't understand. It's like, if they've been coming here for years, haven't they done enough probing? Well, if we were those from, like, uh, Ghost Adventures, we'd be really playing this up. Some say that this area was used for sinister experiments, German-speaking cyborgs. We need to find some crackpot scientist. This is even better than Area 51. This is, like, Area 61. Area 61 turns out to be a fenced-off view of, essentially, Kirkland Air Force Base. The leading edge... Uh, military research, developing, and testing. At night, there's a lot of lights. Uh, it's a huge complex. Fact is, there was, and still is, some pretty cool stuff being tested out there in the desert. Maybe for DARPA, or NSA, or the Air Force. Who knows? Do you think there are alien, Do you think there are other life forms uh, among us or who visited this planet? Yes, I do. What do you think? Well, personally, I have a different opinion. This whole alien concept is a cover story in order to conceal uh, certain kind of projects. But I could be wrong. 
but I try to be a realist, but I'm open to anything. What is for certain, and has been authentically documented on film, is that somewhere out there, among the silos, underground cities, supposed nuclear waste dumps, and alien burial grounds, there is a large animal and a hole in the ground. What strange beast, even now, is being loaded into a grave-sized pit in the desert for me? Since the beginnings of civilization, I think one of the first things we any society learned to do is dig a hole, Absolutely. throw an animal in it, yeah, well, you yeah. know, cook it. They call it around here a matanza. One, two, three, up, up. It's pretty much an old school version of a barbecue, in the sense that it involves burying a giant pig and the imbibing of much alcohol. About 20 minutes from the nearest paved road is a place called Dead Horse Ranch. People who helped us make the show, their families, friends, and no shortage of local New Mexican characters, have gathered to partake in the festivities. There is beer here, plenty of it, local and delicious, and abundant. Did I say that? Tony, need another drink? There are very tasty and lethal, as it turns out, margaritas. And I believe, to the best of my recollection anyway, that I soon made the classic error of moving from margaritas to actual shots of straight tequila. It does make it easier to meet new people. Let me ask you, <laughs> why is it that any time of an alien visits, like, America, there's always anal penetration involved? I'd never heard it before. No, really? Ever. No, am I new to that? But, but, the pig, the pig. What about that body in the desert? Some say the tradition of the Matanza dates back to Moorish times, when the eating of pig had to be clandestine. But a bit of history we can verify, this pig's been cooked slow over hot coals for the last 17 hours. I uh, caught a peek of his ass, it looks delicious. <laughs> Frank here, he knows. He runs Pancho's Barbecue in Albuquerque. Let's start sticking it apart, I guess. Time to get slicey. I step in to help Frank break my piggy friend down into his constituent parts. Beautiful. First, off go to legs, what you'd call your fresh ham. Then, your forequarter, your shoulders and whatnot. Awesome. The loin and rib section, your pork belly. Nothing goes to waste. All right, now, Mr. Head. All those pig parts sent down the line to Harold, who's been using them for a veritable rainbow of New Mexican specialties. None of our 300-pound friend will go to waste. He's getting shredded for tacos, added to the beans, cooked up with pozole. It's going into chili, red or green. Oh, yeah, that's going to be beautiful. The tenderloin I set aside for a little time on the grill. Everyone here has put in a lot of work, and they're hungry. Time to eat. I didn't know the show was about this, but I've been thinking about it a lot. This sort of... Cowboys, Mexicans, Indian, romantic ideal. I mean, 
A lot of Easterners came out here and fell in love with this romantic notion of the West and wanted to come out here and sort of kind of create their own version of the West. Exactly. Was that a good thing? That's what helps us as a people, as a, as a native culture, as a, a culture that's been here for, for these years. We invite you to come and to enjoy what we partake in. I mean, the Indians had the beans and the chili and the corn. The Spanish people brought the pork. I mean, and we put that together and we have this meal here. People love the native culture. They love the Hispanic culture here. And it wasn't always that way when I was younger. You played cowboys and Indians as a kid. If there's one American iconic hero, it's the lone cowboy. Does that have any resonance at all out here? Every culture here, Mexican, Spanish, Pueblo, reservation, white, we all are cowboys here. I am a native New Mexican. I've gone through strange phases of like my ownership of this place. It's this weird mixed bag of everything here all the time and that's, that is the identity. That it, I don't know, it allows a certain freedom. My desire to wear cowboy boots and put a, a hat on right now, you're sympathetic to that? Well, I'm from New Mexico, and yes, I would like also like to put my curse word kicking boots and a hat. It's very kind of you. Thank you. Well, sure. Tony, I got a question for you. What do you think of New Mexico? Of New Mexico? Kind of what are your thoughts? I'm going to try to boil it down to, to a simple statement. If you're an Easterner and you come out to New Mexico, you, you start to, th to see metaphors in everything. But actually, if you were to stretch a little bit, you could say that New Mexico is a perfect metaphor for America. It is a total mutation. It's got Spanish, Mexican, original American, and add a tinge of radioactivity. This is what America really is. To one degree or another, we are an immigrant culture. We are a gun culture. The expression of American power and identity has always been the lone cowboy with a gun. That goes deep. This is the heart of the American dream. Love it or hate it, this is it. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.